Welcome to episode 34, where I am talking with leadership trainer Sarah Schneider on how to dismantle the idea that you have to change yourself in order to be a badass leader. What if the answer to being a great leader is just to go all in on yourself? Listen in to find out how to do that. This episode and its contents is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, and PR communications agency with team members in Boston, LA, Miami, and New York City. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. There have been hundreds, if not thousands of books published on the topic of how to be a leader. Within the pages of these books, the author promises to give you the tools to help you transform yourself into a successful leader. Here's the problem with all of those books. They promise to transform you. They tell you that you need to change in order to be a great leader. If you look at the words typically used to describe a leader, involving, influencing, engaging, persuading, stimulating, supporting, leading, as well as following, what you don't hear is hiding, faking, sanitizing your personality, and yet so many people think that that's what they need to do in order to be a great leader, that they need to be someone other than themselves. My guest today is Sarah Schneider, an executive coach, leadership trainer, and CEO of the leadership coaching firm, Sarah Schneider & Company. She's here today to help us understand the sense of freedom that can come with choosing your own version of leadership, having the impact you want with your leadership, and being your own damn self while you do it. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm just going to start off by asking, why do we feel that we need to wait to be a leader? We need a title or we need permission in order to lead. Like, can't we lead at any part of our career in any moment in our career? It's such a great question. And my knee-jerk response to that is the why is because we're taught that way. You think about the books and especially the textbooks or some of the more official leadership books in general. And there's very much titles of like manager, director, CEO, government official, right? So much of what we read and learn about growing up, there is a title to it, or there's business tied to it, or there's a certain amount of money tied to it. There's not something outside of that, which is just simply how you show up in the world can be leadership. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who, who was like, yeah, I've never really led anything. I don't think I'm a leader. And yet she just got done telling me about being a teacher for 28 years. No way you're a teacher for 28 years and not model some form of leadership. So it's stuff like that. As a society in, in business and also mostly women, we feel like we need to be given this sort of like invitation to do something instead of just doing it or recognizing that we're already doing it. We can call ourselves leaders. And I work with a lot of people who hesitate to call themselves an expert because they don't know, am I an expert? Am I not an expert? And I say, start calling yourself an expert and you'll act like one. 
And, and maybe yeah. the truth, maybe that's the truth with leadership. Start calling yourself a leader and you'll emulate that. What do you think about that? I, I love that. And it's who decides what an expert is. I mean, sure, there might be like a one sentence definition, but most of it is all made up definition of leadership also made up a bunch of people got together took a bunch of words put them together and defined what an expert was defined what leadership was and it's it's all made made up so if it's all made up anyway how come we don't get to redefine it reimagine it say what it is and absolutely I know there's this saying fake it to you make it and I learned through a training program I went through this idea which is act as if which is, so then you're not faking anything. Act as if you are a leader. Act as if you are an expert to your point. Because then the behaviors and the habits and the mindsets and the actions follow with that. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I interviewed a woman who was a happiness coach. And she said, one of the tools to finding happiness is this thing called the I am statement. Mm. And it's very similar to what you just said. It's you say, I am, and then you string together the words that you want yourself to be, that you want to be described as. You trick your brain and your personality into being those things. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I want to bring up something that you mentioned on your website, because I think it will ring true for a number of the listeners of this podcast. And I know early in my career, it was true for me as well. You say you work with people who often sanitize their personality so that they can blend in and not make too many waves. Let's talk about how doing that actually has the opposite effect, how sanitizing your personality or not bringing your full self to something actually has the opposite effect of actually having you be a leader and having you show your value within the office or your network. Yeah. The sanitizing piece also really resonated for me. A lot of what I support leaders with is also what I've been working on. And I, by no way, have it mastered. I still have to catch myself like, oh, am I sanitizing myself here? Am I actually showing up as who I say I am on social media or right now I'm not walking into networking events, but historically when I was going to in-person networking events, I was always looking at, am I sanitizing myself? Getting on this podcast interview, I have to check in with myself beforehand and make sure like, what do I need to be present to, to show up and have a real conversation with Julie? Cause there is a lean for me still sometimes to be like, you know, do I swear? Do I not swear? Do I dress how I want to you 100% swear on this podcast. You 100%. We kind of kick you out if you don't swear. Well, I went through, I, I listened to one of your podcasts beforehand. And then I went through and I saw the E explicit. And I was like, okay, we're, you know, we're good. Uh, but th- so there's a lot of what I call mental gymnastics that happens for a lot of people, a lot of leaders, especially women leaders on how much of yourself are you sanitizing? So if you're putting that much energy into the mental gymnastics and the sanitizing and do I be this or do I do I be that? Are people going to be uh, repelled by that or attracted by that? If you're putting all the energy into that, then it takes away the energy that you can put into doing what you know to do. Uh, having the conversations with your teams that you need to have, making sure that the business is, or your company is moving along on the vision, being the face and the brand of your company having fun sometimes, networking, building relationships, like that all that takes energy too. So if you're constantly worrying about sanitizing yourself, 
it's just such an energy suck and mm. it's not fun at all <laughs> you know, like, yeah, how does how do you get over that because i know i get this a lot so as a speaker and now in my mid 40s like i'm like take it or leave it bitches like this is who <laughs> i am you know but it wasn't always like that. And also I've owned my own company for five years now. So there's a lot of confidence that comes with owning your own company and having a stage to speak on and getting comfortable with who I am and the way I deliver and disseminate information. But that took me some time. So what do you think, do you have any tips for somebody who's like, I'm going into this event. I want to finally be myself. I want to bring my whole ass personality. Like I listen, I have a Peloton, everyone knows I have a Peloton. <laughs> and Jess King, who's one of the riders, she was like, I want, I want you to put your whole ass into everything. <laughs> like don't half ass anything. Like I'm bringing my whole ass personality into this thing. Just some advice so that people can feel comfortable doing that. Or is it just doing it over and over again? Is it just building confidence with repetition? I think it's a little bit of both. A couple of things. First and foremost, there's this question. I'm sure at some point you've, it, perhaps it you know, has struck you or I hear it, which is the, who am I too? Who am I to lead this thing? Who am I to yeah. speak? Who am I to uh, go and build relationships? And we typically answer that question from a really shitty place. And we come up with all of the reasons of how come we're not the person to do that thing. And what I invite people to do is to answer that question with some mojo. Like, who am I to? And then fill in all the reasons. Like, look at you, look at your experience, your skill set, your background, training, whether that's formal training or not, life is a training, like everything. So actually go through and take inventory on all the things that you have overcome, your accomplishments, your the shitty things that have happened, really take inventory of that. So you have some, you have actual evidence to hold on to when your confidence takes a hit because you might walk into a networking event and be completely confident. And then somebody gives you a look, it's probably not even about you, but somebody like looks at you and you're <laughs> like, what is me? Or you intro yourself and you fumble your words and suddenly you feel like, you know, you're the most unarticulate person in the world. So at any given moment, our, our self-doubt can get triggered. So I really invite people to answer that who am I to question from a very, very powerful, badass place. Yeah. So this, you just described something that happened to me once. This was, this was uh, maybe a couple years ago. I was at an event and listen, I got, I got a big mouth. I have a big voice and I, I got the Irish whisper, like, <laughs> you know, like my voice just carries and I was at an event and I was talking to somebody and somebody said something and I was like, oh my God, like I was just like, the, I reacted and I was having so much fun talking to this other person. And I saw this woman give me a side <laughs> eye, like, and I was like, I know how loud I am. And at a different point in my career, I might've shrunk back from it, but I, I was like, no, I know who I am. I own myself. Like I get, I'm not for everybody. And I actually turned around and I said to her, I get it. I'm super loud and annoying sometimes. I apologize if I, my voice just interrupted your conversation. And she was like, she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, no, you don't have to apologize. I get it. I'm a lot. <laughs> and like, we actually ended up having a really great conversation and connecting and going out after that, like at, at a different time. 
But I remember thinking I could shrink away from this and hide who I am and apologize for my gregariousness. Or I could say, this is who I am. And I'm sorry if it's like too much for you in this space, but without being like mean about it. And I think people have to be okay doing that. Um, One question I have is we're talking a lot about our strengths. You have to know your strengths and all the things that you have have accomplished to be a leader. But in order to be a leader, you also have to know what your weaknesses are. And that is very hard to assess. We're not great at assessing ourselves. How can we figure out what our weaknesses are so that we know that they're there when we're trying to lead? I like to think of it as gaps. If we're taking inventory on the things that we're, we excel at or the things that are unique to our leadership, your gregariousness is unique to your leadership. It is something that if you were to temper down, you likely wouldn't have created what you've created in your business the last five years. The people who listen to your podcast come back for that. So, you know, you have those things. For me, I'm very direct. I'm a no bullshit kind of person. And some people really appreciate that about me. And some people don't like that so much. So being clear on our strengths, absolutely. And then to your point, looking at what are the the gaps for me to get to this next level of leadership, or if you want to get to your next level of business, or if you want to get promoted to something, or you want to two times your network and relation, build relationships, like whatever the thing you want to get to, what are the gaps that if you bridge them, you're going to get, get there. And mm-hmm. as, as you said, sometimes it can be hard to assess our gaps. And I find that it's hard though, because especially if you're very, if you're a high performer and you're, and you keep pretty high bars, you end up recognizing a gap and then obsessing about it. And so all the strengths you've just defined go out the window and you become obsessive about that gap. So I think it's a delicate balance of like, hey, I'm still a really great leader. I'm still really great at what I do. And I'm a human being that has some gaps to get to the next thing. And can I have some grace with those those gaps? And that makes assessing where we're at, in my opinion, uh, more palpable with ourselves because then we're not whipping ourselves for the shit we don't know. What about having somebody or a group of people, peers that you trust to have an honest conversation with you about what you excel at and what you could get better at? Criticism is difficult and giving criticism to somebody you care about. How can somebody say, I'm really comfortable with these people in my network or in my office. I want to have a conversation about what I'm really good at and what could use work. And how can we take that information, absorb it and use it for good and have that other person know I'm trying to get better. Please tell me your honest opinion. Yeah. Having a a team of support is so important, whether it be somebody that you've hired that's on your team, whether it be a coach, a consultant, whether you've joined a mastermind, it doesn't matter. Like, so there are things that you can invest in that support you in that. And then there's things that could cost zero money to the example that you gave. Who are the people, who are your trusted advisors? that are people that are willing to have those conversations with you that you know love you. They, they love you exactly who you are and you've specifically asked them, this is actually what I'm working on. What's it like to be in relationship with me? What are some of the things about me, some of the things that you notice bug you? Maybe you're late all the time, I don't know, right? Like, But it, can you create yeah. an open dialogue with people that you trust to have that conversation? A recent study by the Center of Creative Leadership showed that roughly 
you know, 35 to 55% of new leaders fail within the first 18 months of becoming leaders. It's kind of like marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Can you offer some tips for new leaders that are facing this statistic of, you know, 35 to 55% failing? Um, That's a pretty shitty statistic to really, you know, kick the shit out of that first 18 months. Yeah. Well, the first thing is what you and I were talking about, which is understanding your gaps. It seems like in our, especially in U.S. culture, we get a badge of honor for knowing everything. Hey, the more you know, the harder you work, badge of honor. Yay. And that creates, I think, a, a, a way of being or a mindset that then we have to know everything to ask for help is a sign of weakness. Like all, all these things tie in together. So I'm not surprised that a new leader who likely now feels like they need to perform at a certain level or feels like they need to prove that they're capable of being in this role, perhaps they don't ask for help because they're afraid people are going to find out they weren't mm-hmm. meant for the role, which is likely not true, right? But we, we can have a story inside our brain like, oh my God, what if people find out that there's no fucking way I should be a leader? Like if that is running the show, then of course, we're not going to ask for support. Of course, we're not going to build up our team of people who will help us with things. Um, We're going to be so afraid of making mistakes that we don't speak up in meetings or contribute. We're not going to actually do the thing that we were brought in to do in the first place because we're going to be so worried about messing it up. Um, So yeah, that statistic doesn't surprise me given the amount of pressure new leaders likely put on themselves to be perfect. Yeah. So I think that's the number one thing. If you're a leader, you're supposed to be learning all of the time as well. If you're not learning, you're not growing and leaders should still be growing. You always have something to learn, even from your team members. Make sure your team members are teaching you, especially if you have a multi-generational team as well. Uh, I love this piece that I found um, in Forbes. There was an article titled How to Become a Great Leader, which like I said in the beginning, suggested that we should put down all of the leadership books out there, but they said we should start picking up biographies Mm. to learn from the people who came before us. The article went on to list the biographies of Lyndon Johnson, Teddy Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Steve Jobs, and Benjamin Franklin. Those are all biographies of men. I don't know how they couldn't find one female (laughs) leader, a biography of one female leader, but it, it, this this is an underlying suggestion that the best leaders are men. What are are there great female leaders? Um, men and women listen to this podcast, but I just gave all of those biographies of men. Men, I have you covered. Okay, are there great um, biographies or female leaders that the women listening to this podcast can learn about and look to to see how they've navigated leadership? I don't remember if you said what year that that article was written it was Um, rather recent I didn't in my notes I didn't put the date but it was rather recent well I was gonna say you know if it was even two years ago it doesn't surprise me at all I like to think now that there a lot of articles are being more conscientious to be inclusive in the people they list not all the time uh but I like to think it's it's headed in that direction but I think about I should mention that those were all white men yes (laughs) yes Absolutely. It, it, all you have to do is go and, and Google women in leadership or women leaders or BIPOC leaders. And 
I mean, there's all kinds of lists that come back now with people on them. And obviously it depends on your, you know, a political affiliation and leanings and, and who you admire, but you could look at Michelle Obama or Abby Wambach wrote a book or Malala, who has mm-hmm. an amazing book and a documentary out. I believe Megan Rapone wrote a book. Like there's, if we look for books that aren't specifically textbooks about leadership, there is no shortage of women and black women and indigenous women, all kinds of women out there writing books that specifically talk about their experiences and their journeys, Mm -hmm. if if we look for it. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see both Megan um, and Malala speak at the women's conference in Boston a couple years ago. So I suppose I should say, if any of the women listening want to look for leaders, like just Google the Massachusetts Women's Conference. It's every December. That is chock full of female leaders for them to look at and to research and to get inspired by. You know, I would be remiss during this conversation if I didn't say, well, the leadership must have changed in the past year. We've gone from working in offices together and having day-to-day relationships, walking by people, having meetings face-to-face, like uh, uh, how have (laughs) leaders had to change their leadership styles and what has changed in leadership as we go from, as we went from being in offices together to now being virtually where everybody's working from home. And then what's going to happen when we try to reintegrate into the offices towards the end of 2021? I think that this year of working virtually for a lot of people who didn't before, it has required an immense amount of trust. Trust and leadership has always been required and will continue to be required, but especially this past year. Were leaders able to trust their teams to be at home, especially if you've never, you know, I I worked before I started my own business, I worked virtually for a long time for a company. It was just part of our culture. But a lot of people who didn't have that were thrust into, how do we make sure people are productive? And how do we make sure work's getting done? And how do we honor that people are at home with kids and everybody's working from home and houses, some people where they live were not built for having (laughs) school happening and working. So I just think the level of trust that has been required this past year to be an effective leader was more than it's ever been. And teams and people just trusting each other to be okay if, you know, you, you and I were talking about this at the beginning of the call, like random noises, kids coming in, dogs barking, cats walking across the computer screen, uh, Zoom going out, like just there's been a level of transparency I think that was created this past year into people's lives so that's what I would like to think is going to continue moving forward is that the level of trust that not everybody I mean we've seen companies doing weird shitty things to 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 detract their employees time and stuff but I'd like to think that this past year has shown us that if we trust our employees most not all but most will actually do their job, and if not, do it better when they're given the flexibility to do so. And that moving forward, that will hopefully continue and that there's a level of transparency that we can bring from our personal lives into our work lives. That's my hope. 
Yeah, I, I hope so too. We literally for the past year have been sitting in each other's homes during every meeting. Like there is a level of intimacy there when you do that. And when I talk about networking and I coach networking or I give speeches on networking, I always talk about that, you know, 100% of the people in your network are people. They're humans. (laughs) Like you have to have a human connection with people. You have to understand them. You have to know what their hobbies are. You have to know what their families look like. Do they have kids? Do they have animals? What do they like to do in their free time? Do they listen to podcasts? What are they binging on Netflix? Like, I mean, talk about you have to understand the people that you're building relationships with, because that's really going to help you, you know, foster that relationship and also understand how you guys can help each other and work together. And I'm assuming that's the same for leaders. Like you have to have a level of uh, personal connection with the people on your team in order for it to be a really great team. But I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, where's the line? Because I always say there's no line. There's no line between (laughs) work and life. But what about being a leader? Like, where is that line for a leader? Yeah, I think that that line ties to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, which was around like, what's what's real for you? My version of vulnerability and intimacy is going to look different than another leader's. Yours is going to look different than for you. There's no line for me. It's a line. I'm always dancing like, oh, was that too much? Not enough. Like it's something I'm very conscious of and one's not right or or wrong it's just different styles of leadership so the thing I often recommend or work with my clients and the teams I train with is what would be 10% more if you were to practice 10% more vulnerability or intimacy what would that look like what might that shift in your teams what would you be talking about that you're not talking about now right like actually playing around with that That's great. I love that. What is 10% more? Like 10% more of your personality, 10% more of your honesty, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think that's wonderful. What do people say when they do that? What are the results of 10%? Well, for some people, the initial reaction might be like, oh, well, I already share so much of myself. And it's like, well, that's one version of vulnerability. Another version of vulnerability is to be like, hey, I really messed up in that meeting last week. Now, I'm so sorry I didn't hear what you all were saying and that I was so defensive. Like vulnerability, just like we talked about expert and leadership, is such a vast concept. Intimacy is such a big thing and everybody's going to look different. So I, again, I recommend that people define it. You know, what's your current How do you currently define intimacy and vulnerability? How's it going for you? Do your teams seem connected to you? Do your teams, can people hear you when you, you know, are in conversations with them? So I ask people to define what they think it is, what they want it to be for them, where they're at, and then 10% more can help dictate what that's going to look like. But there's a, there's a, stigma around the idea that vulnerability and intimacy again equals weakness and that we've got to keep ourselves separate from our teams or we can't have the difficult conversations with them to keep ourselves separate from the people we're supposed to be in relationship with in my experience never actually works it's not how you influence it's not how you make a difference and given what you coach on it's definitely not how you build relationships you know keeping yourself separate right yeah right 
So I think I just have one more question because this has been great. I always like, what is my aha moment in every podcast? And for me, the aha moment was this 10%. Like, I feel like I'll be saying that to myself going forward. Like, what does 10% more of my energy look like? What does 10% maybe more of my focus look like? Because that focus is a huge issue for me because mm-hmm. there's so many things to do and tackle. <laughs> yep. But I think th- th- my final question would be, how do you know that you are a good leader? And I know we use the word badass leader, badass, good, awesome, friggin' whatever, cat's <laughs> ass, like whatever you want to call it. How do you know that you are that? I've talked about defining stuff before in this call. And I, I really believe that if we do, don't define something for ourselves, then we can't actually know when we're modeling it or achieving it. So I highly recommend that people define what leadership means to them. How do they define leadership? What does it look like? What do they say they want to model as a leader in 20, 30, 40, 10 years, however long? What are the words they want people to say about their leadership? How do they want people to see them as leaders? And not from performing, but truly, like if I was fully expressed as a leader and if I was doing the work that I was born to do in this world, what are the words people would describe me as? So I highly recommend that people define leadership for themselves. Otherwise they're gonna be constantly called or pulled toward some other bullshit definition that shows up in their uh, social media feed. Not that those are bullshit, but yeah. it's just different, different than their own. Some of them are. Some of them are. Um, you know, I look and I, I, I scroll through, I am a doom scroller. Like I scroll through, this is why I said focus, like 10% more of my focus. Like, and I like, I go through and I'm like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> but like my bullshit to someone else, like someone else's great idea is bullshit to me. Like that's just that's the way the world goes around. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I love, I love that so much because it, it's, it's all, it's all noise and we get to decide what noise we want to let in and, and use and make a difference for us. And then we get to say what noise doesn't apply to us. Thank you so much, but I am not going to absorb that as my own. Uh, so defining what we say, who we are in leaders is the first step. And then that gives you something to gauge how you're doing as a, a leader. Hey, Am I actually showing up 10% more focused? Am I impacting social change the way that I said I would? So define it, give yourself the ability to see how it's going. And then also you and I were talking earlier about having a, a, a team of advisors. Also check in with them. If you're not willing to learn from the people around you, if you're not willing to have honest conversations about like, hey, how do you think it's going? How do you think our relationship and how I'm leading you is going? If you're not willing to learn from the people around you, then in my opinion, you might as well stop because it's only ever gonna be if within your own blind spots. I, I always wanna ask, is there anything I didn't ask you that you really are like, she should ask this question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything that you should have asked. I mean, like you and I talked about, I, I really just appreciate having this, as a conversation and it's been my experience of it. The the thing I would just reiterate for the people listening is I really, really do believe that the world is better when we have different types of leadership, when it's not all everybody looks the same way or talks the same way or communicates the same way. Like 
the world is just simply better the more dynamic and diverse our leaders are. You know, you were talking about being uh, really gregarious at the networking event, and you may never know it or not, but there was likely somebody at that networking event that heard your laughter and heard your excitement, and maybe it gave them permission to be a little bit more gregarious. Maybe it gave them permission to show up a little bit differently. And my hope for all leaders is that if there's a part of their leadership that they model, whether they know it or not, they're giving someone else permission to be a little bit more of themselves as a leader. And that's how we, we change some of the bullshittery going on in the world. That's great. I'm going to end with that because that's perfect. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. This was a great conversation. It went by in a flash. It did. Yeah. I'm going to put links to all things Sarah Schneider in the show notes so everybody can find you and reach out to you and connect with you and learn more about you. Cool. Thank you so much. I really did appreciate how it was more of a conversation and, and the stuff that you dropped. And even the intro, I was like, oh, I was like, that's good. I need, I need to pull some of that for how I talk about myself. And I listened to one of your podcasts this morning, actually, and the share with people that you're thinking about them. Like, uh, it was, mm. it was just so great. So thank you for just being so, uh, just you. It's, it's, it's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we met. Thank you for being yeah. here. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this podcast interview with a few things that stood out to me. One, you don't have to wait for an invitation to lead. In fact, you're probably already a leader and you don't even know it because you haven't been given some bullshit title that tells everybody that you're a leader. You can be a leader whenever you want to be if you believe in yourself. Two, determine what being a successful leader looks like to you. Look at your strengths and play off of them. Determine your gaps and ask yourself, what does giving 10% more to these gaps look like? And then what would that do for me as a leader? Three, if you're looking to other leaders for examples of how to lead, make sure that you are looking to a diverse group of people. Your examples shouldn't all look the same. There's diversity in leadership out there for you to discover. And finally, by bringing your true self to your leadership or anywhere to be honest, you will empower others to be their true self as well. We need leaders we can relate to that are honest, transparent, vulnerable, and have the ability to learn from others. So my friend Candace, who I of course met through networking, forwarded to me a happy hour at home cocktail book that was sent to her by another design firm. It is very cool. It's a different booklet of different quarantine themes, cocktails paired with a song that goes along with each drink. The front page of the booklet states, here at Selbert Perkins Design, we like to see the glass half full. 2020 was a dark and stormy year, but we say when life gives you lemons, you make a lemon drop. Call us old-fashioned, but having been through nearly 40 years of economic ups and downs, we remain stirred, not shaken. We've offered up song suggestions too so that you can have your own happy hour at home. We hope the following will put a smile on your face and help you pass the time while you wait for your vaccine. Because I've been on way too many Zoom calls lately, I picked the Zoom Teeny out of the cocktail book, which states that it is a low alcohol beverage to get you through that last Zoom meeting of the day. Ready? One ounce sweet vermouth, one ounce gin, 
a dash of celery bitters. Remember, I told you we're going to use a lot of different kinds of bitters in the cocktails in this podcast. So go invest in a few. Four ounces of seltzer and three Luxardo cherries. Add ice, vermouth, gin, and bitters to a glass and fill with seltzer and garnish with the cherries. And while you are sipping on this, they suggest you tune into Who's Zoomin' Who by Aretha Franklin. Okay, it's that time, fam. Time for me to remind you to subscribe, share, and review the podcast. And I will see you next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. We'll be right back.